The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Jay Mack hanging with you here on... 94 WIP. It uh, is a Tuesday gathering after a Monday night loss. Uh, one of the uglier ones. It's been an ugly year, and last night was about as ugly as any of the other ones the Eagles lost. There have been even uh, less ugly losses in uh, the seven defeats the Eagles have uh, suffered this year. With every one that you add to a previous one, it makes them more difficult to swallow. And with every game you ch- uh, chip off the calendar, uh, 16 games, now in second place, now needing help to get to the postseason, yeah, it just adds to the ugliness. Uh, we try and decipher it for you, try and cut through some of the layers. You can add to the layers and give it back to me at 215-592-9494 when I get the phones reopened in about 15 minutes or so because I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes talking Eagles football with a guy who does so for a living. He does it uh, for phillyboys.com, SI, and his podcast, Extending the Play, is uh, something every Eagle fan should be on top of. John McMullen joins us here on 94WIP. Jay Mack, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Jody? Good. Um, I said at the top of the show, while people want to order the reasons for the Eagle struggle, specifically identify individuals or aspects of the reason why the Eagles continue to lose games, I'm all for that. But it seems that whoever people put on the top of the list takes such a harsh hit that some below them actually escape the scrutiny that I think they deserve. Do you get that feeling with Eagle fans? I know you're less. I open up my phones on a uh, night and night on basis when I'm on the air. You uh, deal with people via social media and the like. So I'm not, you get uh, the feedback from Eagle Nation like I do, maybe not as heavy. But uh, do I have a right read that, uh, and it's not just a Philadelphia Eagle thing. I think it could be anywhere. I do a national show, and uh, sometimes I'll see this in other fan bases, that, this is a team failure, and some guys who have done a lousy job have been kind of skating through the woods. Do you think my assessment is fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I do think that happens everywhere uh, in every NFL city when you have a struggling team, and obviously it starts with the coach and the quarterback. It always does. It always will. Uh, I don't think that changes, but you know, particularly, and that's where the Eagles 
have struggled uh, mightily, obviously, on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, I thought they played well enough to win. Obviously, they struggled with D.K. Metcalf. But other than that, um, and you can look at the numbers and say, uh, that's that's pretty bad when you give up 177 yards um, uh, to a player even of that caliber. But nonetheless, as a whole, uh, I think they were – more than competent. So you look at that offensive side of the football and there's plenty of blame uh, to go around, but people are always going to focus on the quarterback and, and, and his issues and they're significant. And, and also uh, the head coach who happens to be the play caller, um, which is also understandable. But I, I will say, I, I do think when it comes to coaching, I, I think people focus on the wrong thing and I think they should be focusing on preparation and, and why these guys are, are making mistakes in key situations. Uh, I think that's a bigger part of this uh, than play calling. Cause I think play calling is about execution uh, and, and, and doing things correctly. Uh, and too often the Eagles are making mental mistakes. And I think that's a preparation standpoint. And that's something you should blame on the coaching stand. Fair enough. Step. Preparation, and you're right, they looked unprepared. They've looked too many games this year unprepared, and last night was just another one. Uh, and, yes, it starts at the top with Doug Peterson and then down to all his coordinators and the assistants and the many people they have on the coaching staff are not getting the job done. How much of that falls on the players, though, too? They can't get away scot-free. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I blame coaching first. Because they keep the players in line and they get them prepared and they jam details into their heads. But the players have to, A, be willing to do the work and, B, intake the information. Is this just a bad practice roster or a not the brightest ship that ever sailed into Philadelphia roster? Well, I think it's bad personnel roster. I think it starts there. Um, I, I think they're just not a very good football team. I think, you know, Oxen Grazer, simplest answer is usually the correct one. They're just not very good. And I think, you know, to me, there were two examples in that game, the fourth and four uh, where people criticized and turned into the interception. That play should have worked. Um, Carson Wentz and Dallas Goddard weren't on the same page. And they're veteran players. I mean, you could say Dallas was injured. He was out for a long time, but he's not a rookie. Uh, Carson's uh, in his fifth year now. Those guys should know each other. They should be on the same page, especially in week 12, uh, this late, two-thirds essentially through the NFL season. Why is that going on? And then the second one, if you go back, Jody, to, to the red zone play where Jamal Adams got the sack, the Eagles had the perfect play called dialed up for that. They were running a wide receiver screen right to where Adams was vacating, and Jalen Rager has no idea he's running a wide receiver screen. He goes out and runs a regular pattern. And you could say, now, he's a rookie, and you could say he's been injured and he's been out for a while. But, again, you're two-thirds the way through a season and they're still making these mistakes that that to me is the biggest red flag when it comes to the coaching staff and yeah is it 
the players not understanding, maybe in the case of Rager, you certainly can't use that excuse for Wentz and, and Goddard. Uh, but either way, uh, it's not acceptable. Any, you know, either explanation, either excuse you want to make, it's not acceptable. By the way, on the Goddard-Wentz uh, misconnection, was it a judgment play? Was it one of them just screwing it up that either Wentz ran the wrong, uh, or, uh, Goddard ran the wrong pattern or went through the wrong pattern? What went wrong on that play? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, you're supposed to look at the leverage and you're supposed to either sit down inside or outside. Uh, Dallas went inside. Uh, Carson threw it outside. And they both blamed the, uh they both blamed themselves after the game. Dallas took the blame and Carson took the blame. So it's hard to, uh, it's hard to know who made the mistake, but they both admitted there was a mistake made and they both wanted to, which, you know, you give them credit. They want to take uh, uh, accountability for it. I, I do think it was uh, Dallas's mistake uh, just from the way he explained it. Uh, and it's interesting because they ran that play four times and three times it was successful, and the one time it wasn't was arguably on the biggest play of the game. They would have right. no no way of knowing if they would have came back. They were down two scores, but they would have converted. Um, who knows? They might have scored a touchdown. Um, but uh, it, it's it's one of those things, and certainly with those two veteran players, as I said before, it's just not acceptable. You see at the end of the game the breakdown between runs and passes, old run-pass ratio argument that we've been having here for decades in Philadelphia. Once again, much more heavy-handed for the passing game. Uh, sometimes when it's been lopsided during the year, I've said, yeah, but they're always behind. And they're behind by double digits. And I know it's over five yards per clip, but it's still going to take time to move it down the field, running the football, and uh, there's uh, no possibility of having the clock stop when you're uh, running it up the middle. Um, Last night, I really think Doug just had no interest in running the football. Uh, I've given him a pass in games where he's been dictated to by scoreboard and time. Last night, I don't believe that was the case. And the defense was playing well enough, and it kept them on the uh, in the game on the scoreboard. That I thought uh, the play calling Doug Peterson was negligent. How about yourself? Well, yeah, I, normally I'm with you. I think the run pass thing is way overrated. Tell me if they're ahead in the fourth quarter or losing, and I can tell you what the run pass ratio is going to be generally. However, yeah, it was a little bit skewed, and I think you know it was interesting. You opened up this conversation with. Um, fans blaming certain people and and giving other people a pass. I think that's a perfect segue into what I'm about to say, and I'm going to get yelled at for it because I always get yelled at for it. Miles Sanders is one of those players this fan base overrates dramatically. Uh, I mean, he's a great runner. He's explosive. Uh, He's going to make big runs at times, uh, but he doesn't do anything else well. As a running back, he's bad in pass protection. He's bad as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, and Doug doesn't trust him right now. That's what it comes down to. And you go back to the the Cleveland game, Jody. Remember, they opened that game running the football effectively, going straight down the field. What happens? 
inside the five-yard line, puts it on the ground. True. So you add in the fact that you got ball security issues, the fact you can't protect, you can't catch the football. Deuce Daly, Jody, doesn't criticize anybody. And and even he said Miles has got to tighten up his hands. That's how bad he's been as a receiver this season. Um, so there's a guy the fan base, <clears throat> you know, thinks is Dalvin Cook, and he's not Dalvin Cook, not by a long shot. Uh, he he is an overrated player uh, by this fan base, and he's one of those guys. Uh, and it's interesting because I hey. And by the way, I'll say I think Miles has got an, uh, an opportunity to be a really good player somewhere down the line. He's not that yet, and I think people think he is. I think your critique is is fair. Uh, it's a little heavy-handed, but I don't think anything you said is inaccurate. And if you tick off Eagle fans, uh, don't worry, I'm not one of them. I do it all the time. That's okay. Um can you explain to me, either by explanation of the coach thereafter, your thought process, your understanding of Doug and what he's been and what he's looking to accomplish? He puts Jalen Hurts in for two plays, then pulls him out and never puts him back into the game. What did he accomplish what was he attempting to accomplish? How much of it was for a future date? It just boggles my mind, and I think I understand football, and even Doug Peterson, I understand football well. I think I understand Doug Peterson okay, and I don't understand this a little bit. Give me your best read slash speculation. Uh, I don't think he wants to play him, uh, and I think he's being told. Uh, to integrate him uh, into the game plan. And, yeah, he's not accomplishing anything. Look, look I, I, I wrote about this uh, today at Sports Illustrated. I said, you can make, you know, at, at this stage, the way Carson Wentz has played, you can bench him. <laughs> and certainly you would be justified in doing that. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh on the other hand, because of the contract, uh, because of the realization that you can't move on from Carson Wentz for all practical purposes because of the salary cap implications, you could also justify sticking with him because he's going to be the starting quarterback in, in 2021. What you can't justify is both. Make a decision. The only wrong decision is both. And that's what the Eagles are trying to do. And it's, yeah, you're right. Nothing is getting accomplished. You're you're affecting the development of both quarterbacks. And that's something a quarterback factory, well, shot at Howie Roseman there, should not be doing. Yes, developers, quarterback developers, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're doing a great job of hiding that this year. We're talking to our buddy John McMullen from SI and uh, phillyvoice.com here with us on 94. WIP. Um, I've seen a couple people speculate on this, media members and the like, that Carson Wentz may actually have trade value at the end of this year. Uh, unless he turns into, uh, forget about Carson Wentz 2017, he needs to turn into Patrick Mahomes 
from last year to be able over the last uh, second half of this Eagle season to to be at a point where I say he has trade value. I don't get it. I think it's overly optimistic. I'd really like to know who these people are talking to. I want you to give me, and I know it changes with how he plays and how the season goes and everything else, but you can evaluate it at any point in time. What could, would the Eagles get in return for Carson Wentz if they were to trade him, a.k.a. at least from my point of view, how much would they have to add to a package to get someone to take Carson Wentz and his contract going forward? Oh, no, Jody. This is a quarterback efficient league. He has trade value. Believe me. Oh, I, I so disagree. Me, there will be somebody who says, I've seen this kid perform at a high level. I can get him out of this toxic environment and turn him around. I guarantee you there will be an organization or two that will believe that. Now, the problem is all those extracurricular things, what I just talked about uh, in, in when you bench Carson Wentz, that affects his trade value. Uh, that's another reason. If you, Perhaps you want to keep trading him. Then you have the cap hit. And even from the Eagles' standpoint, if they trade him, they're still getting a cap hit of 33, uh, 33 or $34 million. So it is unbelievably expensive, and that's the reason – why it's not going to happen. Uh, but because of the cap standpoint, you're probably talking about a third-round pick. But, yeah, I mean, I this is a quarterback desperate league. There is always seven or eight teams in desperate need of a quarterback. There aren't 32 starting quarterbacks in this league. There never are. Somebody will take a shot on Carson Wentz because of the way he's performed in the past. And they'll convince themselves that it's Philadelphia. It's a, as I said, it's a really difficult environment. You know how pe- you know how people talk themselves into things, Jody. I'm not saying it's going to work, but somebody will believe that. Yeah, I think that he's been so bad that his in a quarterback short. I wouldn't say starved. You use the word starved. I'd say short. Uh, quarterback short league. I still don't think he could trade. I'll give you an example. If you're a team, who would you rather trade for, Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold? I would rather trade for Sam Darnold because it, it's, it would be more cost-effective. You don't Correct. have all the injury issues. However, um, I mean, you have a lot of issues there. I mean, the fact that he's been stuck with Adam Gase for so long – you know, I often talk about you, you go back to the Donovan McNabb draft and, and you think about all the quarterbacks taken in that draft. If any of them would have gotten with Andy Reid and vice versa, Donovan McNabb going to another situation, how would that have worked out? Coaching uh, means so much to the development of quarterbacks. What the advantage Wentz has over somebody like Darnold is he has performed at the highest level. And that's why somebody somewhere will talk themselves into it. 
Okay. I, I And you know how much of a Carson defender I was for the majority of the year, but the reality is just smacked me upside the head, and I don't see it improving between now and when they could trade him at the end of the year. Uh, you're saying you think they could get a third-round pick. I, I'm saying they would have to add a third-round pick in just for someone to take him off their hands. Uh, I just don't well, see we'll it. take a gentleman's bet on that. You, and, yes, and, and the quarterback efficiently. Exactly. Um, so you don't even think there's a chance that they will play Hurts because if Doug's still the coach, you don't think he's going to put Hurts in and put uh, 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 Carson on the bench. Uh, no, I think there's a chance. I, I, I think when they they officially um, are out of it, uh, if that happens at any point with this division, uh, I think then they would go away. I, I think if Carson even sprains an ankle, um, uh, a slight sprain, a small injury, I think that would be an excuse to get him off the field, uh, something of that nature. Uh, and then there's the most likely scenario. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie just puts his foot down and says, I, I've seen enough. You've got to play Jalen Hurts. So I think there's a number of ways Hurts gets on the field. I, I think the head coach doesn't necessarily want to go in any of those ways. I, uh, given the hypothetical you just threw out there, uh, Jeffrey Lurie puts down his foot and says, we must play Jalen Hurts. How uh, Doug's response is, okay, fine, and he signs off on it, and in the post-game press conference says, I'm the coach, I make the quarterback decisions, and he owns it, or we as an organization decided it was, and then you can read into it whatever you want, or does he come right out and says, well, Mr. Laurie, he's the owner, and he said play him, so I put him out there. How does Doug handle it? Well, I don't think he handles it in the last way there. That's just not his way. But I, I do think he's getting frustrated. I, I do think he could sense it. And I, and I can't believe I'm saying this less than three years uh, after Super Bowl 52. But uh, I'm starting to think we're reaching the end of the road. Uh, and I think a lot of it is from Doug's uh, frustration uh, in the fact that there is too much meddling. Uh, from the front office, and and I think he's the guy who can look on the other side of the fence and see the greener grass because I, I think Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman might think they see, but they didn't learn a damn thing from Chip Kelly. I can tell you that. They're always thinking about uh, being ahead of the curve offensively. Uh, they're always thinking about getting the next flavor of the month. Um it didn't work the last time they did it. Um, they got a Super Bowl winning coach, and they've already forgotten about it. And I'm a little shocked by it, to be honest. It's funny that you say that, being ahead of the curve. Okay, fine, if they that's what they were tempted to do with Chip Kelly, and maybe even to a lesser extent, Doug Peterson. It's exactly what they didn't do with the roster. Uh, if you want to be ahead of the curve, then they needed to make certain adjustments. Even after winning a Super Bowl, they did not. They decided to uh, run it back, and that's part of the pay payment they're uh, having to make going forward. Great stuff, as always, J-Mac. Appreciate it whenever you come on. Thanks much. Uh, we will do it again uh, next week. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, Jody.
Don McMullen, Sports Illustrated, phillyvoice.com is podcast extending the play available where you can get all your better podcasts. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.